Hey everyone, it's Jess. I wanted to talk a little bit about visual spatial skills. I recently took um, a course probably a few weeks ago now. Um, it was a, a DIR related course about visual spatial processing. And there was a couple of, a lot of it was, I think, stuff that we mostly know, good refreshers, but there was a couple of um, little clinical pearls that I gathered from it that I really wanted to share. So the whole course was sort of about how our visual spatial system, how we use it to navigate through space, how we use it to understand our space, our position in it, um, and how that impacts our ability to engage and relate with other people through those DIR levels. And it also talked about how much our visual system also supports our ability to regulate and understand our position, not just in space, but across time. Um, so one thing that I really liked this phrasing that they talked about as like objects in space being visual anchors to an environment. So a lot of our kids get very easily distressed when things look different in the room or in a certain space or somebody looks different. The way that whatever, however, looked before becomes this anchor, this way of being like, okay, this tells me I'm here. Here is where I am and here is where this is in relation to that. Um, and it kind of anchors you in that space or in that time and in that routine. So one of the um, physicians that was speaking gave an example of a kid who regressed significantly down the DIR levels, um, you know, like significant regression with engagement and relating and interacting. And when she probed a little bit further, she found out that this child had just gone through a major move. They had changed houses. So she was like, his entire world is disoriented because he's lost all of his visual anchors to his safe space. So they came up with some strategies to help him visualize his new space, what it was looking like and where everything was. Um, and then once he kind of adjusted to that, those new visual anchors, he regained a lot of the skills that he had regressed with. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was how much we might rely on that visual system or how much we rely on those other systems, those other sensory systems, when our visual system is not working well. So they really were talking a lot about how we use all these systems to map our space, right? So we have our um, vestibular system, our visual system, our auditory system, and they're all providing feedback to us about the space around us, the size of it, the distance, the depth. Um, and it creates this map of our environment and our space around us. But if our visual system isn't working so great, we can't very easily visually understand our space. So we might need to compensate with other sensory systems. We might need to run around and touch everything because if I'm constantly touching it, I'm getting constant tactile feedback to my body to understand this object that I can't visually look at and remember and hold its place in that environment. Or I might run around and touch the wall to constantly be feeling the space and creating a map through my tactile system. How big is this space? How long are the walls? Um, how far is it from this object to this object? Um, or just that increased need for vestibular and proprioceptive input to, again, create those maps of how, how does that distance feel if you can't make those judgments with your visual system. They also talked about how our auditory system, which we've talked about before, being such an important piece of understanding our, our environment around us and the space around us, how 
some of our kids maybe who seek out auditory might also be using that to compensate for a weaker visual spatial system. So they might be making lots of noise. I mean, almost in a sense like bats and um, um, I'm blanking on the name of it now, but echoing, <laughs> you know, sending out sounds into the environment to get constant feedback about how far am I from these different objects around me because maybe my visual spatial system cannot quite detect where I am in relation to other objects and maintain that constant, that constant back and forth judging that has to happen to understand your, your place in space. I thought those couple things were really interesting to think about and then think about how that might impact regulation because we do tend to sort of take for granted all the changes that we make in the clinic and in houses, how stuff moves around and how some of our kids do have that tendency for some rigidity in the way that their space is set up. But it also makes it very predictable and challenges their visual spatial um, position less. A couple of cool activity ideas that they had that I really liked as well. One was um, recording kids in slow motion, doing a motor activity, and then playing it back for them. And I thought, how cool for our kids who do struggle with visual spatial reasoning and don't really know their body in space and, and their motor planning and sensory discrimination, because they can go back and watch it slow down to see how they're moving through space. I just did this with a patient recently who was trying to run and jump to land on the center of the peanut ball, which would then launch him into a crash pad. And I'm watching him doing it, seeing how you know he's, he's missing the crash pad almost entirely because he's not landing in the center. And if he is in the center, he's sort of tilted to one side. So I told his mom, I said, let's you know, get out your phone, let's record him. And she did, and we played it back for him. And I said, what do you notice about where your body is in that ball? And he was able to then realize, oh, I'm tilted. So he could use then that visual system better because he could watch himself moving through it slowly versus relying on his kind of perceived body awareness. Uh, so I really liked that one. Um, the other one that I liked was um, one that we've been kind of doing or I have done in the past is using a clock and helping them organize their time by drawing like chunks on the clock, basically almost turning a regular clock into like a visual timer, but you use a dry erase marker to create the spaces of how much time everything takes. Um, they also did some cool activities where they were doing like virtual, kind of like virtual sessions it looked like. Um, and these kids, or actually young adults in this particular example, were asked to basically organize themselves in the in the computer screen, you know? So we're watching it through a computer screen and they were asked to basically organize themselves as a group in a way that the person on the other side of the computer could see all of them. And they had so much difficulty figuring out how do we set this up and also how do we use language around it to communicate to each other, you know, oh no, Johnny, you need to be next to Susie or Susie, you need to be behind Johnny you need to move closer this way or farther that way. And then that also got me thinking about how much language is involved in our visual spatial reasoning and how a lot of our kids, they don't have great visual spatial reasoning. They're probably going to really struggle with the language pieces that come with that to describe what it is they need to do. Or the flip side, somebody's giving them very spatial-based language to describe what they need to do. They can't follow it because they're not really processing that information in the same way. There's a lot of overlap, I think, with that system and with speech. And there was um, some really great 
presenters on that as well too. I saved some of the handouts. So if anybody's interested in going back through any of those, I saved um, some of them about speech and the impacts that spatial, visual spatial reasoning has on speech. I also have the textbook um, called Visual Spatial Portal, Portals to Thinking, Feeling, and Movement. It is by Dr. Serena Weeder and a, not, a developmental optometrist. I'm blanking on his name, but it's I haven't read through the entire thing, but a lot of the stuff that we were learning was coming from this book. Um, and I have read parts of it before. And it's a great resource to understanding the visual spatial processing and how it impacts us from this kind of DIR standpoint lens, but also from a, a bigger standpoint of communicating and thinking and moving through space. If you have any questions or if that gave you any aha moments, be sure to let me know.